Okay, welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And today we are doing a breakdown of the Trent Rockets. So before we do, uh, how you doing? How you been? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just thinking I don't have a, a David Gower story for you this week, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> but I have been listening to the Sky Sports Cricket podcast, which have keeping me very amused. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Trent Rockets. So a rocket a cylindrical projectile that can be propelled to a great height or distance by the combustion of its contents. <laughs> Make of that what you will. So I'm visualising just sixes, just just spraying out of Trent Bridge, just six, 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 six. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, well, let's start with the coach. We've got Stephen Fleming from New Zealand. And for those that didn't see the very complicated and long player draft end of last year nasa hussein talked about stephen fleming as a serial winner wherever he has been in the t20 format is a very difficult side to beat in my opinion so nasa hussein claimed that from the start and and actually i really agree with him um because he has a tendency to create a team environment relying on the knowledge of local players so we're going to see in this team lineup the the majority of players are from knots so and the reason why he does that is he says, look, we've got four or five days to build a team environment. And the best way of doing that is with local players. So that's quite interesting. So let's start first off with Joe Root, who was the England Test Associated Player for England. And we spoke about him, I think, in the first episode as sort of being the glue in the England team, which for the T20 format doesn't seem that appealing because you're not the explosive batsman. But very, very useful to have because... As well as being a great fielder, a good leader, obviously great knowledge of cricket. Um, if you do lose those early wickets, he does sort of have that stability, that confidence. And he also has great stats of his own. I mean, his T20 average is 30, strike rate 125. So that's pretty decent. Definitely. I think if you are going to have somebody who is that glue, the, the rock that holds the team together, you might as well have the best that England have. And it's so strange, isn't it, that nowadays we look at a strike rate of 125 as being not that great. It's so daft, but... Um, it's a bit of a, meh, 125. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, very silly. And he's definitely played less in recent years in the T20 format. He was left out of the England squad in South Africa for the T20. He was sent home early, but we don't don't know if that was because he wasn't included Um whether he needed a break he's obviously in all three formats and went straight from New Zealand to South Africa as captain of England needed a break or whether they're thinking about that T20 World Cup squad and whether he's going to be in that or not that's going to be really interesting I know that he's going to want to be in all three formats so I think he's going to really use this opportunity in the 100 in this 100 ball format to show his worth with the bat so it's going to be really interesting to see how he does with that oh absolutely um, the Trent Rockets got first pick in the draft and it was no surprise that they chose Rashid Khan. Not at all. <laughs> People were waiting for, for, the, for the first pick of Rashid Khan. He's arguably the best white ball bowler in the last four or five years and his stats just say so much. In T20, his economy rate is six. His average is 17. He's got six fourfers, two fifers. And I think it's because he's got so much franchise experience. And again, we spoke in the first episode about a lot of the Afghan players and how they lack sort of test experience only makes them more appealing in the white ball format and they produce such amazing players. But he was Afghanistan's first IPL millionaire 
He was wow. reclaimed at the auction for 1.4 million US dollars. And because of all this experience, I don't know why I've put it into my head that he's older. He's only 21 years old. It's so crazy, isn't it? You think, because he's been, he's been on the circuit for such, uh, well, for a while now, and he's only 21. It's sort of beggar's belief. But it's like we were talking about with Kais Ahmed or uh, with Majib, that both of these guys are, are teenagers and they are already internationally renowned and play with the swagger of an extremely experienced cricketer. That's the thing. He's a, such an impactful player. He's also really not afraid to slog with the bat as well. He's got a strike rate of 149. So in those death overs, Rashid Khan's obviously really useful with the bat too. So so great first pick. And uh, second, we've got a uh, second pick for them was in the draft. They went for another international player, Darcy Short, mm-hmm. um, Australian opening batsman, left-handed bat. But um, he actually almost packed cricket in a couple of years back. Um, he just, he lost his love for it, but he... He carried through and he actually really enjoyed a successful second coming. In the season of 2017 to 18 in in white ball formats, he had a great season. His highest score was 122 not out. He got two hundreds and his strike rate was 136. Average of 40. That is a That's a ridiculous average. Um, yeah. An average of 40. That That's an average that you would have in test match cricket. To have that in T20 cricket, that's insane. And he had a really successful T20 blast last summer for Durham. So he's got that knowledge of the England conditions as well. So great choice there with Darcy Short. Next up, we've got our final international player. They chose Nathan Cawthonile, another Australian right arm fast bowler. Um, a real staple in Australia's limited over formats. Um, really gifted athlete. And although his gift is with the ball, he also provides a really energetic presence in the field, which is going to be super useful. He's got a, had a fair few injuries and he was left out of the test squad this year. Um, but he was one of the top bids for players at the IPL auction this year, going for a million dollars, which is pretty special. And he had a good World Cup for Australia last year as well. He provided the highest score by a number eight in the World Cup. He got 92, which is pretty impressive for a number eight. That's definitely what you want for a number eight. It's interesting, um, as Nathan Colton is a number eight, I've always seen Rashid Khan as a number eight. So this is already, you know, we're, we're very early on talking about it, but I'm starting to see a few potential question marks that I have in terms of the balance of the batting order. Well, yes, actually, that's quite interesting. There's a couple of there's a couple of players that could both be in the similar position in the batting lineup. There's a couple of crossovers. So we're going to come to that with the batting lineup. But yeah, well spotted. That is definitely one that you could go either way with. So um, we're going to go to first of the local players for knots. We've got Alex Hales, who's an amazing opening explosive batsman, local knowledge. Um, we mentioned in the first episode that his expulsion from the England camp meant that he actually had the time to fly all around the world, soaking up the atmosphere of the franchise um, cricket. And he's done so well. His T20 stats, 300s, he's got 48.50s. Strike rate of 142. And he was named in this year's Big Bash team of the tournament, striking some of the biggest blows of the season. And yeah, he had he had a great season. But it's as we know, it's more than just runs that, that Hales needs to change the England selectors' minds. And I wonder whether he's going to be included. Enough time has passed, whether he's served his time, because he's definitely served enough sixes to be in the running for the T20 World Cup squad for England. 
you would think, and you think, where where is he going to sit? Uh, probably, I would assume, maybe at number three, as Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow have done so well as an opening partnership. But that, in turn, going back to what we were saying, potentially leaves Joe Root out of the T20s. Well, also, they really trialled having Joss Butler opening with Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow coming in at three. So that also adds another thing into the mix. So... It's going to be interesting as well with Joe Root in the same team as Alex Hales. They they both want to be included in that T20 World Cup. So we'll see how they go against each other as well. Um, Next up, we have Lewis Gregory, who's actually named as the Trent Rockets captain. Oh. Yep, he's a seam bowling all-rounder. And he's more of a batting all-rounder. He's T20 blast in 2018. He hit 328. Um, at the strike rate of over 200. So he had an incredible season. 200? Yep. I had a great PSL season as well. He um, was England's under-19 captain and the England Lions captain. So obviously got a great head on his shoulders, surely in the mix again for the England World Cup T20 team. And he was included in the England T20 team on the tour in New Zealand end of last year. He's got really good figures as a death over strike rate of 211 against pace so that's going to be really useful again with this sort of death over strike rate it's really hard to gauge where to put them in the batting lineup because you only have those 100 balls so it's going to be we're going to we're going to come to that later the batting lineup but that's something to consider next up we've got david milan and i think he was an absolute steal at 40,000. that's the second to last draw in the draft I think he went really cheaply for 40k because I think he's a really, really decent batsman. Top order batsman, left-handed. He's got the highest T20 innings by an England debutant. He got 78 from 44. And he was a last. He was quite a late entry, actually, at 29 years old for his debut for England. But he's had a really good couple of years for Middlesex. He recently moved to Yorkshire, but before that, he, he just had a great couple of seasons for Middlesex. Not so consistent with England, but, I don't know if you remember, Chris, last year, I think it was in New Zealand, he got that 48-ball century. I do remember that. Uh, he he can really be impactful when he, when he wants to be. And I, I thought he got sold short in terms of his Test match uh, presence. Um, but we were talking off-air a little bit about uh, how, how, he, how he is as part of a team player and uh, his relationship with Owen Morgan and how this might uh, play into yeah, his selection. I don't know if you remember, but... He got this most amazing 48-ball century, which I think at the time was a record for England. And Owen Morgan, who rarely loses his call, especially in front of the press, definitely, you could tell that he was fuming because um, David didn't run on the final ball of the innings. I think that was to protect his stock. He wanted a not out at the end rather than rather than getting out on the last ball. And I think that I think that Owen Morgan really made the point there about being a team player or not being a team player. Uh, yeah, and I think that this also jumps back, well, we were talking about Alex Hales. It says a lot, and I think it's more to do with Owen Morgan's captaincy. It's funny, you were talking about those Sky Sports vodcasts. I was listening to the one with Owen Morgan talking to Rob Key and Michael Atherton, and you really got a sense of Owen Morgan putting the team above all else, including himself. Yeah, he really talks highly about creating that team ethic, the team moral, the dynamics. It's not just about the runs on the board. It's about that team camaraderie. So that's why we might not have seen David Milan or Alex Hales in the England shirt recently. Next up, we've got Tom Moores. He's their wicketkeeper and he's a left-handed batsman. Local lad from Knott's, plays for Knott's. Good um, good, uh, franchise experience as well. 
uh, had some T20 uh, experience and good domestic wicketkeeper. Played for the England Lions. He's also unusually strong against spin for an English batsman, which we we can tell is going to be really, really useful with a lot of the spin attacks of several of the other teams. He's really proven himself at Nottingham as well. And he's really ideal for those middle-order spin attacks. He keeps the run rate up, which is a really good thing to have on your team. Oh, for sure. I mean, you think of the amount that was invested in getting mystery spinners with each of the teams and how many spinners are in each of the squads. And we're going to see at least two spinners being in each squad based on what we've looked at so far. So to have somebody who, A, is a left-hand bat to combine with the right-hand batters and for an English player to play well against spin, it's going to be a real asset. So I can see that being a big, big boon for Trent Rockets. Next up, we've got Ben Cox, who is another wicketkeeper, right-handed batsman. He's regarded as one of the neatest keepers on the county circuit and is also capable of big hitting. He was called up for the England Lions earlier this year to, to earn his first cap a few months ago in Australia to replace the aforementioned Tom Moores, but he didn't actually get to play because I think one match was rained off and the other one, they ended up choosing James Bracey instead. So hmm. whether he'll make the team or not, that's two wicketkeepers and... You mentioned before, Chris, that there might have been uh, a sign there that he was called up after Tom Moores for the, for the very same team at the England Lions. Yeah, I, and that was one of the things that I thought. If Tom Moores was called up first for the England Lions over Ben Cox, that makes me wonder. Perhaps that is an indicator that they're thinking of starting with Tom Moores as their wicketkeeper. I think you're right there. Um, we'll see in the batting lineup later if I can choose <laughs> him or not. Not going to give anything away yet. No, so, no, no. Um, Next up, we've got Luke Wright. Oh, I love Luke Wright. I know he's one of your favourites. A great all-rounder. According to ESPN, he's the Duracell bunny of English cricket. (laughs) Um, He is with Sussex for white ball only. He's a captain of Sussex T20 and opening batsman. Great stats. He's got seven hundreds in T20. He averages 28, strike rate of 143, and provides useful pace as well. A lot of international and franchise experience Including and the t- including the World Cup winning team in the Caribbean in 2010. Exactly right, yeah. Part of the winning team of 2010. And a lot of success in franchise cricket in the Big Bash League of 2011. He had the fastest century in an Australian domestic cup. 44 balls. That's so fast. It's funny because I remember... Luke Wright in two instances where he was in possibly the best day of his life and then probably the worst day of his life. He got 99 and him and Alex Hales were chasing being the first England player to get a T20 international century. I think, yeah, Luke Wright made 99 and then shortly after Alex Hales pipped him to it. But unfortunately, I remember Luke Wright being uh, the victim of Chris Gale when Chris Gale hit that record 175 not out uh, in the IPL. And... I remember there was this wonderful camera shot and an interview with Luke Wright shortly after where he had this expression on his face as if to say, that was a good ball. I have no idea how Chris Gale just hit that for six. When the universe boss turns it on, he turns it on. There's nothing you can do about it. We should definitely (laughs) find that clip and put that up on our YouTube channel. Oh, oh, definitely will. Next up, we've got Stephen Mullaney, who is an all-rounder, right-arm, medium, fast-paced bowler, another local lad from Knott's. Um, he is one of the small list of players to make 100 on debut for Knots, and he's got decent bowling averages too. He's one of the most reliable all-rounders in the county game. I don't know too much about Stephen Mullaney, to be honest with you, and he did go for 60k, so he went quite high up, which also is just 
again, just really shows that um, Stephen Fleming really invests in that local knowledge. And I think it's great that he's happy to sort of put the put the higher price tags on county players and developing them through through the, those channels, which is great. So we'll yeah. see if you guys know anything more about Stephen Mullaney, feel free to give us a shout at that one. Um, next up, we've got Matthew Carter, who mm-hmm. is right arm off break bowler, uh, local again from Knotts. He went for 60K as well. Great economy. Um, not many matches, but again, it shows Fleming's trust in the bowlers, knowing their conditions. On his debut for Knotts, he got seven for 56 and 16 overs. Wow. So he's got some really good stats. And no domestic spinner bowled as many overs in a power play in the last T20 blast. He's also excellent with the new ball and good against both the left and the right-handed batsmen. So I think he's definitely going to make my team. He sounds like he's had a lot of experience, especially with local knowledge. So that's fairly priceless. Um, next up, we've got Harry Gurney. Left arm, fast, medium pace, franchise experience, not boy again. And in T20, he's got two forfers, one fifer. Really useful to have that left arm seam bowler. We've got premier death bowler experience in Harry Gurney. He's actually sought after by the likes of the Melbourne Renegades, the previous Big Bash League. He conceded 7.2 runs per over in the last four overs. That's really good. To have, to have an economy of seven in the last four overs, that says a lot. Uh, he's he's definitely a player that I remember he's played on and off for England. And there's just something about him. I think he's I think he's a really special bowler. And I think he's going to be very, very useful for this team. Well, yeah. conceding 7.2 in the last four overs of a T20 blast is amazing. In fact, it's the league's second best just behind Jofra Archer. So that says a lot. Says it all, really. <laughs> going to be useful, going to be very useful at the death ball length. So next up, we've got Luke Wood. And guess who he plays for, Chris? Oh, <laughs> um, Trinidad? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to say knots, And I was going to say that's a trick question because although he did play for knots, he's actually just recently signed a three-year deal with Lancashire. Oh, you've tricked so me. I can't I believe it. I tried to trick you, but then you double tricked me back. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I ruined um, that. <laughs> left arm, medium pace bowler. Does really well in the T20 blast. Primarily a new ball bowler. His average of 6.47 power play economy rate is pretty good. But yeah. he's actually also capable in the middle of death overs as well, taking six wickets and 39 balls at the death for knots last season. And he also has a very useful first-class century to his name, which apparently surprised the coach, surprised his teammates, and also surprised himself on the day. But that's very useful to have that in your, well, in your yeah. back pocket. You want somebody who's A, full of surprises, and B, can bowl at any point in the game. He he, he sounds good. <laughs> um, last but not least, we've got another Luke. That's the third Luke of the team. And another Knots player. <laughs> another. <laughs> <laughs> another. And this guy's a giant. Six foot six. So oh, he's uh, he's what nearly as tall as you, Chris. Um, yeah, not bad. I'm six five, but um, no doubt I'm probably not as fast a bowler as he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's right arm, medium, fast paced bowler, back from a pretty nasty head injury he had a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. but he came back with career best figures for knots and great T Twenty stats end of last season, which included three for seventeen from three overs. So yeah, great to have some pace and some local knowledge in Luke Fletcher. So that's that's your lot. Uh, pretty, wow. A pretty good package, I think, there. I think so. Like you were saying, I think uh, Nasser Hussain tends to call it as he sees it and is usually quite right when he calls it. Um, I think this looks like a really good squad. I think that 
perhaps sort of looking at it before we go down the running order is that there's there's a bit of a question mark in terms of the lower order in terms of where the bowlers are going to bat more than anything but this is looking really 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 strong and I'm very glad that it's not my turn to pick the starting 11 so uh, without further ado Charlie if you would kindly run through your starting 11 for the first match okay will do so first up I'm going to open the batting with Darcy Short. And his partner is going to be Alex Hales. Those two would work really well together. I mean, they both have crazy strike rates and a lot of franchise experience. And having that left-right-hand combination of the opening batsman, I think, is just always useful. It's always just much more difficult to set the field against. Absolutely. So I'm going to have them one and two. Um, number three for me is going to be David Milan. Oh, interesting. Okay. What's that noise for? Well, that's not what I would have gone for. Um, oh, really? No. Okay. I, I would have gone for Luke Wright. I would have put Luke Wright at three. Oh, see, this where it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I haven't included Luke Wright in the starting eleven. Oh, you see, no, you have broken my heart. But there, there is theory behind the madness because I'm going to put Joe Root at number four. Right. And I think that when Joe Root goes to his England training for the Pakistan series. I think that's I think that's when your boy's going to come up, and I, I think Luke Wright's going to going to have a point to prove. And when Joe Root goes off his England duties, I think he's going to go into that number four position. Oh, uh, that's how actually, does that sound? No, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about that because we've got opening left and right, and then we've got David Milan, who's another lefty. Joe Root, right-handed batsman, and then number five, I'm going to go with the captain, Lewis Gregory. Good shout. Um, because he's got a really great death over strike rate, but again, with a hundred balls, where are the death over strike? Where, where are the death over batsmen? It's really, really luck. You don't know whereabouts it's going to it's going to be. So I think five is going to be a good position for Lewis Gregory. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Tom Moore as the wicketkeeper for number six. Yeah, good shout. I think that's a good position for him. Yeah, and number seven. I've put Rashid Khan at seven, which is quite high. Yeah, interesting. I mean, look, he can bash it about. So I think that he could bat at number seven. But I think you're right. This was what we were saying earlier about the number eight spot. Yeah, because I think number eight, Nathan Corfinal is such a great number eight for Australia. And I know that that was in a a one-day format. So maybe he should go at seven instead of eight. But either either or, Rashid Khan or Nathan Corfinal, either seven or eight. I think you can kind of move between the two there. Number nine, I'm going to go with Matthew Carter. Great, yeah. I think, local knowledge. I think definitely, exactly. Local knowledge, good economy rate. Um, so we're going to start with the sort of more specialised bowlers and now. A, I think he's going to be definitely in the team. Definitely, and a tantalising prospect for him to bowl in tandem with Rashid Khan. Exactly, that's going to be something to watch, isn't it? I, I had a decision to make on my number 10. So I think it was out of the two Lukes. It was either Luke Wood or Luke Fletcher. Okay. To me, they kind of do quite similar things, but I just went with Luke Wood I think it's going to be useful to have that left arm medium pace and he's got quite decent you know stats and his economy rate is great in the power play so I think that's going to be really useful so I went with Luke Wood at number 10 and I went with Harry Gurney at number 11. Yeah absolutely I mean uh, that is definitely the position for Harry Gurney but I'm glad that you put him in and I think he absolutely should (laughs) yeah he gets the place Um, that means that sadly Ben Cox misses out I think he's the backup wicketkeeper. We spoke about Luke Wright. I really do want him in the team. He really deserves a spot. Uh, whether he comes in for David Milan or whether he comes in for Joe Root, um, definitely want him at some point. Stephen Mullaney, I didn't put him in. I don't know too much about him, and I'd love you guys if you know more about him or why he should 
be in the starting 11, please do let us know. And then, as I just mentioned there now, Luke Fletcher misses out to Luke Wood. Wow. So that's your lot. Excellent. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's good. So we have done the Trent Rockets. So as ever, thank you so much for listening. And if you're not already, please do like and subscribe and uh, send us your thoughts. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Instagram. It's at The 100 Report or Twitter, which is at 100 Report. Or you can email us at The 100 Report at gmail.com. Actually, on that note, Chris, I'd love to shout out. We've got a really nice email from Chandra Moli. So I just wanted to say thank you for your email. He's saying that he's been listening to the podcast. They're keeping him occupied during this time. And I think from looking at your Twitter account, you're based in New Zealand. So hopefully everyone is safe and well down there. Thank you for your email. Nice to hear from you guys. And please do, yeah, send us emails with any questions or remarks, comments, the100report at gmail.com. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you again. That's it for our show. Thanks again for listening and we will see you on the next one.